Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Uh, Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Andrew McGuire. Uh, Andrew, tell people who you are. Give us a bit of an intro. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me, Glenn. I'm, I'm appreciative of being on the show and really excited um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm a guy that, you know, what really struck me about your podcast was you were, you were planning on eventually getting out of your job and doing real estate full time. And I think that was the first episode I listened to of yours yeah. and it struck home because I've been over that same process in the last few years where, you know, felt just trapped inside a job and was like, I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be doing something else. And, um, started slowly to build up that passive income, buying rentals of about the last three to four years or so here in the Phoenix, Arizona market. So started, you know, went through a lot of problems with those properties, a lot of issues. And it took me a good two years of just full pressure to get them where they need to be, where they were creating a little bit of cash flow every month that was growing. And, uh, I probably wasn't ready, like full on jump, but at the end of last year, 2021, I was like, all right, it's time to do it. You know, it's time to make the jump. We got the passive income. And I just realized my passion is not this IT job that I'm working at. It's going yeah. out and being in the field and doing real estate, doing what I'm doing, growing it and helping other people do that. And uh, even though I, I kind of declared it, I wasn't really bought in because at the beginning of this year, 2022, um, a recruiter reached out to me and was like, hey, I got this. I got this job offering. You'd be perfect. We're going to pay you a ton of money. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll just talk to her. (laughs) It would be nice to have my benefits, you know, another year or two while I build it. And um, actually went through that interview process. And I was like, I was like supposed to be the one like chosen. She was like, you're the guy, you're the only one. And then they're like, oh, by the way, you know, we are interviewing one other person, but it's a formality. And then she calls me after being cold like four days. And I'm like, that's probably not a good sign. She's like, hey, we went with the other candidate. And that was February this year, planted the flag and was like, that's it. That's a sign. I am never looking back and just jumped into full real estate full time as an investor, but also as an agent specializing in working with out of state investors here in Phoenix, Arizona, helping people get into this market. And once I did that, you know, March has been an absolutely insane month. I committed and just blew up this month and have a ton of things going on. Yeah. So you, you talk about like the 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 job ropens. It, it's crazy. As soon as you're available and they know you're, um, I don't know if the word skilled or whatever. I've had the same thing. I've had um, some insurance companies call me up. They're like, hey, you want to come? I know people don't know I used to work in IT you want to work go work in IT here we have you know things we know you from back in the day and uh you know heard you're not not working anymore <laughs> um and LinkedIn um LinkedIn keeps prodding me now because I've changed my status I don't have a job and yeah. and the, they, they keep throwing this one job at me over and over again and part of me goes not because I like want the job but I'm like, I could start a whole new podcast from this job. The job they keep pushing at me is to become a driver's instructor. And I'm like, oh, the stories those guys must have. I'm like, let's do a podcast as the driver's instructor. I'm like, this is gonna be fun, right? But I'm like, yeah, it probably doesn't pay well or anything else. I haven't really looked into it, but every day it pokes up this thing, driver's instructor, go work for like you know, the DMV, right? And I'm like, huh, <laughs> you know, to do the test, driver's test. I was like, wow, that'd be probably some crazy stuff. <laughs> 
You, you know what's the craziest part about that? You say getting roped back in. Like the day I like declared it, I put it on my social media. I was like, hey, it's been a good run, but I'm doing this. I had all these people in the industry, friends, like yeah. texting me, hey, there's a job opening here. And I was like, no thanks, no thanks. And then that job that I thought I was getting, the same manager that was hiring for that, like literally last week, reaches out and was like, hey, there's another one. Like you will get this for sure type thing. We're going to put in a good name. And I was like, Nope, no thanks. This ship has sailed. So, but you're right. They try to rope you back in. And it's a mental game, right? Like, cause you know, it, you know, as powerful and strong of mind you have, you go, you, there's always doubts and you're like, and these people are going to keep offering you things and you, you know, I want to stick to my guns. And I'm like, I don't need the job. I'm like, I just completed a couple flips and we just sold them this week and everything's going really well, but you go, you know what, that, that security, you've had this security for so long that you've given up and they're like, would you like the security back and more money? And you're like, ah, no, it's, it's, it's a tough one. It's, it's not, it's not nothing to like shrug off. Right. What do they say? Like, uh, the job security is like the strongest drug you could ever have <laughs> like, like monthly guaranteed income with benefits. Totally <laughs> true. hundred percent. So you said you had a crazy month. Let's go into that a bit. Yeah. Well, uh, it, I'm just look like, you know, I'm, I'm uh, still doing my real estate investing thing, but I'm trying to make that more passive and start to bring on property managers. Cause I've bootstrapped all of my own units, completely managed them, work with the cleaners, show up all the time. I'm not handy, but you know, show up and try to make what fixes I can and contractors and everything. Um, but as soon as I made that declaration, I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to become an agent and, you know, supplement and make my income that way. I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't have any pipeline built. I haven't been actively doing it. You know, I I've had my license for a long time, but use it only for my selfish purposes. And then, um, so yeah, like March, like right away, like a week into it, I had, uh, this contact from California that was moving to Arizona call me and was like, Hey, we want this house. It was a $2.1 million house in Mesa. Yeah. And um, they, you know, they were actually a contingent loan conventional and somebody came in and offered cash. So I kept in touch with the agent, kept in touch with the agent. And um, she called me back like a week later and was like, hey, that fell out. Just I'm giving you a heads up right now. And then she, she was like, you have to rewrite the offer. So I talked to them and it was like their dream house, this couple. And they're the best couple. Once they get here, they plan on buying investment properties with me. And um, sure enough, we got it under contract and that's closing in April. And then right after that, boom, 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 just like every single week, um, this investor group from Seattle keeps reaching out to me and we've got three other deals in contract right now. And then I got a wholesale. Uh, I did a little bit of like door knocking, cold calling on the weekends last year when I was that W2 employee. So very limited effort, but I, I kept in touch with one and she called me yesterday and she's like, all right, well, tenants out at the end of uh, April. So I'm ready to sell this thing. And she's like, how do you want to do it? So I explained like, Hey, we could put it on market and get you top dollar. Um, I would be interested in buying that myself. You know, I definitely would, you know, but here's kind of how the numbers would work. If we did that, is that fair? She's like, you tell me like, what would you rather do? I'll sell it to you. Um, so we're going to talk about that this morning. Can you uh, do assignment contracts when you're a realtor? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Arizona. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not something you want to sit down and probably have that discussion with your broker over them with every time, but because <laughs> you you are cutting the broker out then too when you're doing that, right? Maybe. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're 
the way I put it is, hey, you're doing seller to buyer transactions, you know, and Arizona doesn't require, you know, I bought properties for myself without the MLS standard mm -hmm. Arizona contract. So I'm like, why can't other people do this? And Arizona is known as like, you know, everything is a negotiation in real estate. So it's not like they say there's these rules like 3%, 3%, but everything is a negotiation. So yeah. um, got one of those going. And then I just got a new Airbnb listing yesterday that I'm going to be working with. And yeah, so just a ton. I got, I started my own meetup last, last month and had about 12 people out to that. The first one, a pretty good mix of CPA, a couple contractors and then some other local investors one was actually visiting from seattle and for my next i'm going to do that every month and i just found out uh real he just another investor here that's doing big apartment syndication deals yeah uh ben he, he said that he's going to come speak at my one in april so i'm pretty excited about that but yeah it's just like stuff's coming at me from all over it just like blew up over the last month so thank you uh, you said mesa i have uh, somebody from my show like i got a from way back they're like they buy apartments in mesa that i had like an episode 20 or 10 or something way back like five years ago and i was that's the first time i ever heard of Mesa before to be completely honest i'm like maybe we, maybe there's something there too you can come speak at your meetup or something too anyway you never know yeah, everybody yeah, knows all kinds awesome. of weird people <laughs> hey, mesa's my backyard that's where i started my investing career i, I love that market awesome so you said yeah you know you talked about the three percent three percent rule for like you know that's it's sort of a you know, and it changes, and it also depends. I think uh, the uh, what 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 the three percent rule is like when people are a realtor selling for you. It means they're selling for six percent, and each realtor, each side of the brokerage usually, or each gets it, and then they um, they each get three percent, and then you know they split off from that into the brokerage and the realtor. Um, but as you get into you know, if you're in really cheap houses, it's going to be hard to get outside of that because you, the realtor's got to eat. <laughs> um, yeah. But as you get into, uh, you know, your multi-million dollar houses, there's, it's definitely negotiable because there's a lot more meat on the bone uh, with percentage-wise compared to a flat commission, right? Can, when you're dealing these little houses, they're not making a lot of money. It's a lot more profitable to be a realtor in certain states. When I started investing in the U.S., I did it by myself and had to go through the growing pains of doing that. GlennSutherland.com slash coaching. A 12-week coaching program done one hour per week over Zoom from the comfort of your own home. Classes are kept to five people to be able to answer everyone's questions. Shortcut the process. Make fewer mistakes. Curriculum available at GlennSutherland.com slash coaching. Yeah, no doubt. That's true. It's like the same amount of work for a, a luxury listing that's two, three, four million dollars and a three hundred fifty thousand dollar fixer. You know, it's the same amount of work. So we're a fifty thousand know, dollar fixer. When I have a two million, three million dollar house, I'm having an agent. I'm going to have a little bit more bargaining power over, you know, when I'm selling that three hundred thousand dollar house fixer, because after, you know, the fees and splits and everything for an agent selling a house like that, you know, it's there's not a lot there left after that. Does it make sense? Like you said, you got, you had your license for a while, even before you were doing like real realtoring, you were just using it for your own personal real estate business. Does it, when does it make sense? And like the, the cost of having the license and doing the thing compared to, you know, the savings you'd have from selling properties or buying properties, like, is there like a formula how that, when this makes sense to do it? Yeah, for me, me, that was right away. So I, I kind of skipped this part of who I am, but to get into real estate investing, 
um, what we ended up doing, like we had no money, no savings, me and my wife, we were both, you know, I'm a W2, she was a 1099 worker. And to, to get into investing, because we had no savings was basically, I changed my job, like based on the fact that I could get my hands on my 401k. And I think after they took their cut, I paid the 35%, whatever it was, I had like 80 or $90,000 left. And this is after 14 years of working a high salary job in the tech industry that I barely had $100,000 saved. And then the other part was we were sitting on a house here in Chandler, Arizona, a really nice neighborhood. And this was like a two-year pitch to my wife. It was yeah. like, hey, I've been reading all these books. I've been bigger pockets, listening to all the podcasts. Like, I know what I'm doing. I'm ready to get in. And basically, I'm ready to cut off my arm to get out of jail. <laughs> so let's sell the house. And it took two years. And finally, like, I was like, let's just go rent. Um, but she was like, no, like, that's one. My negotiation is we can move to a new build townhome. And at the time they were priced about $300,000 in this area. This is going back, you know, about three and a half years. Um, but she's like, we are owning, so we're not renting. And I'm like, okay, but I had my realtor's life, you know, I had my, that's when I got my realtor's license and I was like, okay, we can sell this house because I didn't know what I was doing. We actually pulled in an agent and sell, sold it for us. But to get into the new house, um, when you do a new construction out here, they have their preferred lender and it was 5% down. I was getting 3% back as a commission. So we literally got into this house, $300,000 house. It was like $12,000 total. And we were able to take the equity out of our primary that we sold in that 401k. And that was our $200,000 basically nest egg to go get our first few rentals. That's cool. So it made sense for me because I saved like $10,000 right there. And I was like, this is paying licensing fees. I think if you're just like, if you're just wholesaling or investing, definitely you don't need to. Um, the one big benefit why I would recommend it in a state like Arizona is because we have this uh, tax database that's part of our MLS here called Monsoon. Very good. Like I can look up and that's part of my system when I'm prospecting and finding off market deals is I just hit Monsoon right from their property address and it pulls up their names their mailing address everything i plug it over to white pages and i'm like you know get cell phone numbers right there so i like having that i like being able to pull listings on mls and be alerted uh, before things like redfin and zillow so for me like time is of the essence right now like anything that hits the market coming soon's whatever have like 10 offers in the first couple days so definitely for me it's worth it if you're out there looking for your own deals your other, your other option is to have an investor-focused agent to be out there finding and bringing the deals to you, either one. Yeah, no, same thing. When I went my, my listings in Florida, I put a coming soon sign, you already had offers. No one's even seen it yet. <laughs> but no, yeah, it, it's, it's insane, yeah. So Arizona, Phoenix uh, is where you're more specifically in. Um, you talked about a little bit about Airbnb when we were talking before uh, before we started this thing. Um, when you get into more expensive markets, you're talking the you know the the Texas, the Arizona, the Floridas, the little ones that are a little usually basic. The basic rules around the outside. <laughs> um, you get into more expensive markets. Uh, how does that change your investing strategy? What what makes sense to do there? Is it is the Airbnb more uh, prevalent? Does it still make sense to do long term rentals? How do you how do you what do you look at when you're looking at the Phoenix market? Yeah, it's changed drastically. So Phoenix has like, like a lot of markets, but I think Phoenix is an extreme outlier. Um, 30%. I just saw the, I think it was the Milken Institute. They do things like population growth, job growth. Uh, there's wage growth or a couple other factors and they rate cities. What's it they called? Milken. Okay. M I L I N. 
Okay. But it's like it rates the U.S. cities, and I think Austin, Texas is up there. I forget what other ones, but they rank Phoenix four. The one area that Phoenix was lacking this year was um, affordability. We used to be an affordable city, and everybody from California or even like the mid, like Chicago area, East Coast were like, hey, Phoenix is dirt cheap. Let's go out there. And I thought that when I first moved here 10 years ago. Yeah. But now it's like, you know, we're still not California. We're not Seattle. Um, but we've seen 30% the last couple of years. And I think it was 20% appreciation the year before that. So essentially, like if you add those up 20% and then 30% and then 30% on top of that, like prices have basically doubled. And that's one thing I talk about when I'm, you know, working with out-of-state investors. They're like, somebody bought this for 250 and they're selling it for 500, like three years later. I'm like, don't look at that. <laughs> Just look at what it's worth right now. But yeah, everybody, like, there was a couple ratings that came out. The Phoenix was like the number one market. Um, I think Hostaway ranked us, Scottsdale, Arizona, and a couple other cities in Arizona, number one short-term rental market. And my personal take on that is like, it was, but like people that have no business buying short-term rentals, and I'll go to these like uh, new listing in Scottsdale, and I see these like kind of they seem like kind of your like poser investor with the flashy gear on and stuff yeah. rolling up in a line out the door. I'm like, Hey, if everybody in their grandma is buying short-term rentals, I'm going to start looking a different direction. So I think it's overheated right now. And I run numbers on deals every single day um, as a short-term rental, as a burr, um, as a traditional rental, traditional rentals haven't really made sense for a while now in Phoenix, unless you're putting a lot of, a lot of cash down, but even short-term rentals getting there. So I really think right now, like your you, the Phoenix play is because it's going to continue or people think it's going to continue to be a high appreciation market is if you're like somebody like I just worked with a buyer out of Seattle doing a 1031 exchange. He's like, hey, I got 250K. Um, I want to bury it in the desert. I'm like, hey, let's go 25 miles south to Casa Grande, Arizona from my house. And I'm in the south suburbs. Yeah. Um, they're building new constructions out there for 390. So, you know, your payment would be a thousand your rents are going to be 22, 2300 a month because rents have continued. Um, I think, I think doing short-term rentals right now, like that plays, I know people are still doing it, but I'm like, I'm pumping the brakes a little bit. I'm having my clients do it as well. If you do do it, like the way I run numbers are run it pretty tight, you know, run conservative. And there's ways to do that using like different tools, right? I think AirDNA is a popular one. I actually look at each listing in the area and see what they're doing throughout the year. But make sure it makes sense as a traditional rental too. I mean, not makes sense. Like right now, there isn't a lot that makes sense, but try to get as close as possible to that debt service coverage ratio as you can of a one-to-one. -one. If short-term rentals go away, if traveling nurses goes away and it's not hot, yeah, room to room is big in Phoenix right now. You could do that all day because the, the crazy surge in rent prices. No matter what, I tell my clients, like look at it as if it were tra traditional and try to pay your mortgage. Otherwise don't do it because like, I'm just seeing everybody flooding into this market. And you know, a lot of people are traveling here for like spring training or whatever, you know, from places like Canada where they're like, Hey, it's been snowing a couple months. I need a warm place. And they see it and they're like, dude, I want to buy a short-term rental down here yep. and uh, you know, make it pay for itself and then come out a couple times a year. So I I'm just like, yeah, go ahead and do that. You could probably get away with paying your, you know, definitely covering your mortgage that way. But Let's run those numbers tight and conservative because I don't want to see this go away and you uh, you be underwater on any rentals. I would never recommend that. I'm a cash flow investor. Yeah, I, I, love, that. I love backup plans, <laughs> alternate plans, different ways to go if things change. 
Um, being in Arizona, um, you know, if you were going to do it as a long-term or even run your numbers as a long-term, like are the rents keeping up with the appreciation on the properties and how does the rules work in Arizona for raising your rent? Yeah, there's no, like, I haven't seen that there's any kind of regulation. And like a, a lot of people have said there's no rent controls. Investors I'm talking to in states like California and Seattle. Um, and they've even said like, you know, in Arizona is known as a very um, landlord friendly state. You know, I haven't had many, I haven't had to really get into it, luckily, you know, <laughs> knock on wood. But um, yeah, the, the, law, the laws are pretty friendly. Um, in the rents to that question, like they're going up faster than the actual, the actual prices are 30%. I think the town I live in is Chandler and yeah. Gilbert are two East Valley, really nice suburbs, really cool downtowns that people are flooding into. Um, when you see the rents, it's like, you know, it's kind of scary. Cause I'm like, Hey, if you don't have a house here and you're native and you want to live here, like you better find a house hack or something soon because you don't want to get priced out. But um, the rent is just astronomical right now. Like in Chandler, a couple of years ago, you could have got rent for twelve, thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars for a bedroom. You won't find anything under twenty one, twenty two hundred dollars a month right now. Um, so they are keeping up. If you're looking at a fourplex in like Mesa, or you know, if you could find one in Chandler, and that's the other thing I have to show people is like, yeah, now instead of four fifty, you're paying eight hundred thousand, but your rents have also doubled times four. So if you actually do the math, your rent every month is more than your mortgage payment increased over that same time. Makes a lot of sense. Cool. Uh, this is awesome. Um, Andrew, uh, people want to contact you. They, they're looking for a realtor in the Phoenix area around it. Uh, how do people track you down? How do they, they find you if they want to work with you or just have some questions about the market? Yeah, yeah. Reach me out. My my uh, Instagram is probably first. It's AZ underscore Andrew underscore REI, real, real estate investing. And my email is Andrew at Shannaday.com. And that's Shannaday is S-H-A-N-N-A-D-A-Y.com. Smart to spell that out because I probably would have butchered that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Shanna, <laughs> something along those lines. Awesome. Anyway, th thanks for coming on the show, Andrew. Uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, this was fun, Glenn. I appreciate you. And it's, it's exciting to uh, hear what you're continuing to do. Make sure those buyers are getting their, uh, their timelines right when they're closing. Oh, I know yeah. it's the lenders holding you up, but uh, you yeah. stay on them. Yeah. No, we were, for people who are wondering what he's talking about, we, we were chatting before we started and a lot of, uh, the, I'm selling properties, um, doing flips and my lenders are just they're, they're the blenders of the buyers are just pushing closing dates over and over again. So a little frustrating, a little bit tough when you want to reinvest your money into something else, but uh, yeah, you gotta, you know, it's part of the game. <laughs> Give <right>. yourself some space. <laughs> lenders are slow and lenders are unreliable. And it's not your lender. I show up to the table. It's their lenders. <laughs> Everybody's just trying to get it in. Yeah. Make hay while the sun shines and their lenders are just scrambling. So, but yeah, make sure uh, next time you're coming out spring break. I know a lot of people uh, in your area go down to Florida, but make sure you come check out Arizona next spring. Don't come in the summer because you won't want to come back. But uh, <laughs> January to April, uh, make sure you come check it out and say hello. Yeah, I'll have to try it. I haven't done Arizona yet. I was just down in uh, New Orleans, but I'll, uh, I'll have to do Arizona. I'm getting more and more West Coast. Um, but, uh, you know, typically it is like the, 
east coast goes straight down west coast goes straight down you get more of the the bc and alberta people going to um arizona and more of the ontario and going down to florida but uh yeah no i'm i want to explore different places so yeah i'm starting to get into different markets yeah <laughs> it's so funny how that works and it's the same in the u.s like everybody from new york goes down to florida yeah. And everybody from like the West Coast, like, you know, Northwest and California comes to Arizona. I'm like, it's not that much further <laughs> when you really think about it. It's not that much farther to go the other way. Oh, exactly. But, hey, New Orleans is right in the middle. That's not bad either. No. Anyway. Yeah. New Orleans and Vegas. That's where I was just a, a month ago. Anyway. Cool. Thanks for coming on the show. I uh, really appreciate it. All right, Glenn. 